Welcome to the 1110 Leadership Podcast, where we tackle issues at the intersection of leadership, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Rob Shields, Vice President of Strategy at 1110 Leadership, and I'm joined by my co-host, founder and CEO of 1110 Leadership, David Spicker. Proverbs 1110 lays out a bold and countercultural vision. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. We're here to ask, what does it look like practically to be this type of leader? Leaders willing to invest everything they have so that everyone around them can thrive. Join us on the journey as we lean in, listen, and learn how to become Proverbs 1110 kind of leaders. The kind of leaders that make our cities rejoice. David. Hey, Rob. How are you, my friend? I'm fabulous today. Are you? Whoa, we're mixing up the vocabulary. Uh, uh, yes. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared for a different answer than our usual. Our listeners are really thrown off right now. Do I'm tell, ex- my friend. Do tell. Well, what What makes you fabulous this two morning? Two reasons. I'm expanding my vac- vocabulary. Yes. And I'm coming off we're coming off our amazing event we had last week to celebrate the launch of my book, mm. which is coming up in a week. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was an exciting evening. Got to engage with a lot, a lot of the listeners of the 1110 Leadership Podcast in person, which is fun. I was told by people that I don't look how I sound. How do you and feel I'm, about how I'm do just going to leave it at that. I can get more specific, but I'm not going to. You know who you are. It was a really, really special evening. I mean, you were you were right at the center of all of it. You you said kind of it was a this is your life moment slash your funeral, but you're alive for it. What was it like attending <laughs> something like that where you just have your whole world in a single room? It's a once in a lifetime experience and something I will never take for granted representatives from all different parts of my life. Even my mom and my brother came, traveled to be there. I even was surprised by college roommates who came who I didn't know were coming. And I've never heard you yell that loud before until I I I thought you were injured or something. I scared people in the room when they walked in. (laughs) I just could not believe that they had come. So what do you, how do you describe something like that. You know, when I'm looking out into the room and seeing all different types of people and parts of my life and to know that they came, what that tells me about how much they love me, feel about me, it's just a tremendous blessing. Makes me want to write another book. (laughs) If this is what it means when you write a book, this is what people do, then I'm motivated to do it again. But It's a tremendous blessing. It's a way that people are showing me mercy and grace in my life. And had a hard time sleeping that night. I was so amped up. Mm, mm. Yeah, I thought it was really neat. One of the goals for that evening that you and I talked about and thinking through setting it up for people is really giving them a taste and experience of the principles from the book. I think that that was accomplished. And you know, this is a deeply relational journey that you go on. We talk about justice being a journey. It's a relational journey. And I think we wanted to give people a taste of that relational journey. Obviously, a lot of people showed up to to support you, but I think it was also, also bigger than you, which you acknowledged throughout the evening that this isn't, this isn't a David thing. These, these principles you didn't create, you know, you're bringing them to life and maybe giving fresh language to a, a modern audience and to a specific audience. 
to help them translate it to their context. But I, I love that it, it felt that way for me. And I'm excited. You know, we're, we're going to, for those who are not local or are local, weren't able to be there. We're working on being able to repurpose that audio and make it available on the day your book launches, you know, next week, which is exciting. So stay tuned for the full version of the interview that, that you were a part of today. We, we kind of, that interview was so good. We kind of got short. We, we would love to have done some Q and a at the end, but we, we ran out of time. And so this podcast episode is really dedicated to tackling the questions that people had for you that they, they submitted their feedback and, you know, we, we framed it, not just what questions do you have for David? We had a couple other questions that were prompts throughout the space. As people walked in, we dedicated a first, you know, half of the evening really to people being able to congregate around some prompts, which were really interesting. Three questions specifically, what injustices break your heart? How do you want to be more just this year? And then what would make Raleigh flourish, kind of building off of Proverbs eleven ten, which our listeners should know by heart by now. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And so we gave everybody posted notes. We kind of had them be able to interact with each other as they engage with those questions. Some of those answers that stood out to me: what injustices break your heart? You had you hit a lot of different areas and issues. You know, lack of access to affordable health care. People without a safe home children who are hungry and experiencing generational trauma, racial injustice, extreme poverty, treatment of immigrants, systems that are broken and only the underdogs see it. That may have been my favorite answer to that question. How do you want to be more just this year? We had responses like a lot around listening and being present relationally, which is really neat. A lot of intentionality around putting myself in uncomfortable situations, seeing people as God's children and not stereotypes, putting myself in situations to meet others in different backgrounds and expose myself to their worlds. So a lot of kind of relational steps, which I love. There were some other things, you know, like willingness to take a stand publicly, but I, I love that it was also pretty intimate in how people engage with that question. That was really interesting. And then finally, what would make Raleigh flourish? This one was neat because it, it was an event that happened in our community. This is a book that transcends place, but also you know, is meant to apply to our home base, which is here in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. So some answers around that question for Raleigh specifically, shorter walls and longer tables. Love that one. More of a sense we're all in this together. Giving without any expectation. Eating more dinners with people you know and don't know. I love that one. I love the both end of that one. And even just how accessible some of those examples were. And some harder ones, you know, people dedicated to understanding their own privileges and giving power away, a reduction in poverty and help for the homeless, you know, easier said than done, but it was a kind of a neat combination of posture answers and then kind of some prescriptive action, which is a a neat balance of some of the the four qualities that you unpack in the Justly. Yeah, it was really fun to see how people engage with that yeah Uh, coming into the environment not necessarily knowing that that was the plan to have them engage with those questions and we had post-it notes all around the room and people wrote their answers on the post-it notes and then displayed them next to the questions and 
that gives a real picture of where we are and the, how we think about these issues, how common we think about them, but then also we bring our uniquenesses to them. And I think if we did that anywhere and everywhere, we'd have the same response. Yeah, we said earlier that this was an event that was about you as the author of a book that you're putting out into the world, right? And it was it's your story. And, and you talk about encouraging others to tell their stories. It felt like an evening of storytelling. And really, we wanted to use that opportunity to, to capture other people's voices and kind of the community's voices around these things. And, and what, is, what was collectively spoken around what does it look like to be personally just? Because it's, it's an individual thing. But then collectively, as a community, how do we move to or, towards a more just city, a more just Raleigh, which... Obviously, some of these principles are not unique to Raleigh, but some are. And obviously, the people in the room, you know, hold that community as their own. And so I think it was an important, it was a really neat opportunity to tap into the collective voice of the community that was a part of the evening and then kind of use that to build some traction around how, as people engage with your book, exciting to just hear some of the stories that start to evolve and take shape and maybe even partnerships and collaborations that start to happen are in a pursuit of justice, right? as people start to link arms locally. All right, we promised people we would put you on the hot seat. So all we did was defer it from Thursday night. Are you ready to, to go on it? We got some questions from, from the audience from the launch event. Are you, are you ready to field some questions, David? I'm ready, I think. Okay, I'm going to take that for what... <laughs> <laughs> the last time we played a game, you know, on the 1110 Leadership Podcast, we kind of made up... Made, the rules up as we went along. So this will probably feel a little bit like that. All right, we're going to start off with an easy one. This is a good icebreaker question. This was a legitimate post-it. This came up several times, actually. It may have been the most common question. Who was your favorite roommate in college? That's not an easy question. <laughs> that's well, my, based that's on probably, how many that's probably you had at the question. event. Yeah, there was a lot of people there that claimed to be your roommate. So I had five roommates my senior year who have become a collective group. Joel, Kevin, Randy, Eric, and Scott, and they all came last week, and that's what blew me away, particularly uh, a couple of them, Joel and Kevin, who uh, surprised me because I didn't know they were coming, and they came all the way from Michigan and Boston. So they, they get some kudos for coming the longest way, but I can't necessarily say <laughs> they are the favorite, although we knew that Joel asked the question because we knew he was hoping that I would answer Joel for the question. He wanted to get a leg up. But these guys, I engaged with them for 30 years since we were in college, and we have a monthly conference call. And I mention in my acknowledgments in the book how they have been the wind behind my sails. So how they came to the event and supported me was just an incredible gift. So they are all my favorite. How's that? It's a very diplomatic answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'll allow it for this one because I talked to many of them and they are all listeners of the podcast. So we don't want to burn any bridges no, with our don't. listener base. That's right. So we can't play favorites, but I won't allow as diplomatically neutral answer for some of these later questions. Mm -hmm. I'm going I'm to let you off the hook in this first, first round. <laughs> mm -hmm. I thought this was a neat one. Someone asked, how has writing this book changed your life? Yeah, I love that question. Well, it's changed it in a variety of ways. I think, one, just the process of walking through the issues in my life and getting them down on paper is just an exercise that, you know, in some ways it would be great for all of us to have the 
to have the time to do. So it's allowed me to be reminded of God's work in my life and to remember what he's taught me and all of the people in my life who've had such a profound impact. I think the other piece of it is it's an act of vulnerability that I didn't realize I was going through, particularly when you're writing something where I'm telling a good bit of my story and some of the challenges that I've faced and the lessons that I've learned. And so putting something out there where you're exposing yourself to people in that way is a good exercise of trusting God that there is something worth sharing. And it reminds me of how important it is to connect with others through our vulnerability. And then third, I would say, you know, it's challenged me. I, I said to the audience the other night that I've written a book, not only to leaders and in particular business leaders, but primarily to myself, because these are areas in which I need to grow. And I'm challenged by what I've written and want to live out much of what I've written. And I know that I have a long way to go myself. So it's an active sort of sanctification for myself, active growth for me to challenge myself in the areas in which I've, I've uh, challenged the readers who will, who will engage with the book. I'm, I'm going to combine these next two questions. They were asked by different people, but I think they're along the same theme. What do you think is the most important thing to keep in mind while on the journey for justice? And how do you fight thoughts of giving up trying? Wow. Both very insightful comments and questions because they talk about it being a journey and that this is going to be hard. Mm. I think, again, it's important to understand this is a journey and that we're going to face times where it may not seem worth it. So it's important then to always know that it's worth it and that it's also necessary for us to recognize that we need to stay in the game and to do the small things. We ended our conversation the other night with this idea that engaging in justice issues can be paralyzing. We can see all the brokenness in the world and feel like we're just small and we don't have any way to really make a difference. But as we talked about the various examples of how God worked in my life and the life of others, it all started with something very small and overlooked. But God used that small step, that small act of faithfulness, even when we didn't think we were being just, to fix injustice, to heal brokenness. And so it's very important that we stay in the game, we understand this is a journey, and we keep doing those small steps. Mm. Yeah, I heard Bob Lupton, author of Toxic Charity, in an interview once when people asked a question similar to that, said, you know, I think in God's economy, he just, he has a way of redeeming our efforts, however small, or even even our failures, right? And can kind of fit them into his greater story. And so I love that idea. Um, looking at it as a journey, and obviously that was embedded in the question, but knowing and keeping in mind that we're not going to see the whole, pi- the whole picture, this side of heaven, but that doesn't mean that it isn't our job to try to usher in the kingdom and give people a glimpse of the kingdom that Jesus began and is coming, right? All right, when was a time when someone showed you undeserved mercy? Well, shoot, I would say that event last Thursday night. (laughs) I felt like everybody coming 
was a demonstration of undeserved justice and mercy, just, again, showing their love and care for me, which I just don't feel like I deserve. I feel that with Alice, my wife, often, the way that she puts up with me, forgives me, deals with my issues. This isn't the Valentine's Day episode, Dave. Oh, yeah. no, that's pre, that's coming pre, later. It's pre-Valentine's Day. That's true. You're warming. That's smart. I guess it's too late if it comes. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be before. No, this is good. <laughs> this is good. No, but she just, you know, I have to remind, remind myself how it's not normal for her to just love me despite all the things that are hard to love. And the way that she continues to accept me and be my biggest fan. So just countless ways in which she does that. And, you know, when I think about this, I I think about just like I mentioned, people coming Thursday night. It's just the way people have shown up in my life when I least expect it. And they have been intentional with me. I write about one incident uh, in the book uh, when my dad died a couple of years ago, actually two Eric, one of my roommates, came to be with me when my dad died, right after he died, and he just showed up. And then Paul, my friend, who had been uh, struggling with some health issues around COVID and had not been able to leave his home because of those issues, took the time and and did what he needed to do to show up for my dad's uh, service. Out of the blue, I was so overwhelmed by him taking that step to show me his love and care for me and wanting to be with me when I was mourning the death of my father. And, you know, when you look and you see, it was, it was why I screamed the other night when I saw Kevin and Joel walk in, because I was so amazed that they would think to do that and they felt so much about me that they'd be willing to bear the cost of coming just like everybody else did. So those are examples for me of showing up, showing up when it's a cost and uh, when maybe the other person doesn't deserve it, but it's just showing up uh, even still. Hmm. Yeah, I thought that question was really powerful. We reference Keller's book, Generous Justice, a lot in our work and even the tagline of that book of how God's grace makes us just. And the the drum that he really beats on in that book, I think, is echoes in that question yep. of really the degree to which we're just and pursue a life of justice is correlated directly to the degree that we really understand ourselves first and foremost as a recipient of God's grace. And then that's what we are then trying to go and replicate in the world, but from first as a recipient, not as someone who's kind of conjuring it up on our own, which is what gives it all the power. Okay, this one's getting specific demographically here. Advice for a 20-year-old going into life who wants to be more just. 20-year-old, I assume this person's in college or college age thinking about their career on the front end and is trying to be intentional. Man, I love this one. A little jealous because I don't think that that was a kind of question that was even on my radar or would have used that language even. So, Someone that has enough of an intentionality and desire to be more just at 20, David, what what advice do you have for them? Well, I would first of all say you're already winning. Sure. Just by, just by asking the question. <laughs> yeah. At Humbled. that age. 
Not that this is about winning, of course, but it's to be confident that you're already a man or woman of justice because, as we talk about in the book, because we follow a God of justice and he uses even us, then he can use us to be men and women of justice. So we don't, we don't have to be old or experienced necessarily to be people of justice. We can be confident in who we are. So that's step one. The others is just to find those ways in which we can use the principles that we talk about in the book to engage the people around us. And I would say to that 20-year-old, find ways to get close, to get close to people and places where they are experiencing injustice. And how does, how might God well up inside of you, a real heart for and compassion for issues, not because they are theoretical, but because you're close to people and places who are dealing with those issues and how and, and the ways in which you've built relationships with folks who are near and dear to those issues. Those are the things that are going to propel us as men and women of justice to then steward the things that God has given us to engage with those things that break God's heart, that also break our heart. Hmm. Yeah, I got enough mileage on the treads of the of the tires to, to think back on 20 was a good bit ago. I think that the only thing I'd add to that would be this idea that you talk about in the book of bold and courageous action that's slow and deep and a lot of times even anonymous. You know, I think that younger generations now are growing up and justice can feel very much like a platform thing. It can be highly performative in the age of social media. It's like getting credit for being perceived as just. And I think really being, just letting that go and saying, you know what, that's not, it's already embedded in your answer a little bit of how it's a relational thing and getting close. But like I would add, get close and not take the selfie. I think that the idea of being willing to, to make small incremental steps that are not seen and that being letting go of a reputation and just being being willing to be misunderstood goes a long way as well. Absolutely. Okay, David, here's a good one. What were your goals in publishing this book? And now what? How will this book propel your next step? Wow. Well, my goals in publishing the book was so that people obviously can be impacted by the principles that are conveyed in the book. So that at the end of the day, we all experience fullness of God. That's my hope. That our faith would come alive, that God would use all of us for his glory, that we would be inspired to steward our resources and the things that he's given us for his peace and justice in the world, and that we will begin to see foretastes of our cities rejoicing that there'll be examples of the ways that people are winning, everyone winning in communities all across the country and the world from people who read this book. Um, That's my hope. That's the reason why I put these ideas in print and hopefully in a way that will spread. I'm very open-handed in kind of what's next with this. I told somebody the other day that I feel like the book is sort of a, a present underneath the Christmas tree that you get to open each day to see how God might use the book. And there's a lot 
that I'm thinking along those lines that we just will see how these principles get a hold of people, how they then share it with others. And more than anything, we hope that the book is read in community, which is why we put together an e-course to go along with the book, a set of videos that can come alongside a group of people, whether it's a small group, a leadership team, a Sunday school class, or any other uh, leadership group uh, who wants to read this and wrestle with the principles and community. Uh, that's where the most benefit is found. So my hope over the next year is we'll start to see that, and then we'll build on that based on the way people have responded to the book. All right. This one assumes that the need for the just leader is going to exist beyond Raleigh, which I think we both see the validity of that. And getting, getting ahead, this question asks, are you planning to expand your consulting to other areas beyond Raleigh? Well, for sure. We see these principles being applicable in any context, in any city. And I would love to see people respond in such a way that they would come to us asking for help to grow their leadership and to engage their communities around the issues that I describe in the book. How that looks, not quite sure how that would look as we expand our work beyond Raleigh. You know, our work is very relational, it's very deep, it's very place-centered, so we want to make sure that those elements are in place, but we certainly and are excited to respond to folks outside of Raleigh who want to engage and then think through how they can apply this in their organizations, their companies, and even their, their broader communities. All right, this is a fun one. We're going we're gonna to land the plane. I've been told, I'm getting a lot of feedback at Thursday's event that I say that a lot on the podcast, which I was already aware of because I practice seeing the whole playing field, starting with myself. We're going to end with this one. This will be in the place of our typical bottom line. We don't have a lot of guests on the 1110 Leadership Podcast, but if we were to have some, who would be on your list of dream guests for the 1110 Leadership Podcast? So we've had no guests so far on the 1110 Podcast. That's right. Yeah. On the 1110 Podcast. My dream guests to start off with are people that I highlight in the book and so that our audience can hear directly from them the stories that we describe and then also the ways that they've been models for me for the for the principles that I describe in the book. Like I mentioned in the event the other day, so much of what I've written is because of people who I've learned them from. And so my dream guests are to have those people beyond the podcast so our listeners could be exposed to them and their learning, their experience, their wisdom, their heart in ways that I have so that we can all benefit together from their wisdom. Beyond that, who knows? We'll see where this can take us. I'm already excited about doing this with you, Rob, and how you and I are partnering together with this and how we're landing the plane together. <laughs> Thank you for those flowers, David. Yeah, those were un- unsolicited. The only name I would add is Joel. I don't know about Joel. I'm not. I'm. I'm hesitant to give the microphone to Joel. I think you're nervous about what he would say. He would That's say, right. He would tell stories that I don't want him to tell. You say you want podcast. everyone to tell their story, and then you're like, "But I don't want Joel on the podcast." That that feels yeah. hypocritical. Yeah. But maybe we'll see. We'll see if Joel's available. <laughs> oh, well, this is great, David. I'm excited for our listeners. Stay tuned. Next week we'll have the full 
extended interview from the event as we celebrate the launch of your book. February 6th is available on Amazon. So we'll, we'll have all those links and everything in the show notes next week. But until then, my friend. Can't wait. To learn more about 1110 Leadership, visit our website at 1110leadership.com. That's the numerals, one, one, then spelled out, T-E-N, leadership.com. That's one, one, T-E-N, leadership.com. There you'll find more resources to equip you on the journey of becoming an 1110 leader. You can also get connected to our growing leadership network. If you've enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. To help others find us, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.